It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box, the show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman, coming to you on a Monday, June 13th. The LA Galaxy getting ready to come out of their international break hibernation. We're going to update you on all of the international players. That'll be fun. Uh, a lot of little things going on, some players out there. We'll tell you where they are, how they've been playing, that type of thing. So we're going to get you up with that. We're going to get you at least pointed in the direction of the game against Portland. Don't worry, we won't pre- preview that game, but we're at least going to talk a little bit about what's coming up and the schedule and all sorts of fun stuff that's coming up here sort of in the second half of the season. We'll call it the second half of the season, even though it's probably not quite halfway there yet. All right, so we're going to talk about that, then more Dayon Jovalich, more transfer, sort of what the LA Galaxy need as well. So a lot to get to, a lot to talk about. Uh, a man who literally rushed back from the airport just to get here in time. Uh, he He's there. We don't have his video up working, but his audio is working. So Mr. Kevin Baxter, how you doing, buddy? Are you hanging in there? Yeah, I just flew in from San Francisco and boy, are my arms tired. Yeah. Uh, you know, you look, you yeah. look familiar. You look familiar. Yeah. Did, didn't you used to have a soccer podcast in L.A.? Yeah, didn't you used to cover MLS games? I mean, you know. for well, we doing NASCAR this weekend. Yeah, I, I know. I saw you out in NASCAR this weekend. It looks like you were having fun, though. I mean, there's big engines. It's loud. It's NASCAR is a certain type of thing going on there. But, but you know, the other reason I almost didn't make it for this podcast is, speaking of NASCAR, on the way home from the Burbank Airport, there was a spectacular NASCAR-style sp- uh, crash on the freeway with a, a car uh, just spinning in the in the middle lanes and, and bouncing off the wall. And I, I, I couldn't drive by. I mean, I've, I've learned very well from um, the lovely and talented Mrs. Panda that you just don't drive by those things. She's a much better person than I am, as you know. So with her as my inspiration, I just I pulled over into the shoulder, jumped over the wall like a pit crew guy. Right. And I got to the car. They, they had tinted windows, so I couldn't see in. And there was no one moving. I didn't know, like, they were dead or right. or what. And thankfully, they had a sunroof, and it was open. And I was able to climb up on top of the car and look in. And there were four people in there, and they were scared. <laughs> they, they all needed new underwear. There's no question. <laughs> they, they, were but, scared, they were scared because you were climbing on their car. That, 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 yeah, well, that didn't help. But um, they were all okay. And I told them that they were in a safe place. And if they wanted, they could probably get out of the car no one was hurt, but uh-huh. I was really, st- it was kind of rush hour. No one else stopped. Come on, California. I mean, that's, that's very California whenever you think about it, but no, I, I will look, I mean, look at you, the hero, the hero that we all need. We didn't want, but the hero that we got, right. That's, that's, uh, you. I, you'll be happy to know that the first thing that crossed my mind is 
I can stop to help these people or I can make it to the pod, but I might not be able to do both. <laughs> we're, we're a couple minutes late. We can't get your video working. I mean, overall, I think we will at least if you're if your story holds up, which I'm now la- launching a full investigation <laughs> into, um, then we will excuse your, your your tardiness in this this per, this particular time. So, no, we're glad but, you're but glad you're here. Did, isn't this the best way to have me on the pod with just my voice and not Sometimes not even my voice, but certainly not my face. This yeah. is probably better for everybody. Yeah, I, I mean, the the downside, of course, is everybody gets to stare at me for 30 minutes, and I, I think maybe that's a little too rough for, or, or I guess uh, 60 minutes. Uh, it's a little too rough for, for some people. It's a Monday. Mondays are always rough. I always tell people that, you know, people go, well, don't you ever get tired of doing this? Yes, on Mondays. Because you go to work on Monday, you have your weekend, you do whatever you do on your weekend, you're usually tired on Monday. You go to work, you, you make it through work, and then you're sitting there going, okay, it's Monday. What do I get to do? I get to go home and relax now? No, I get to prepare for a podcast. So I'm always like, maybe Monday isn't the best day to be doing a podcast. But at the same time, it lines up so perfectly with so many things that happen over the weekend and just sort of get everybody ready for the this week that's upcoming. And it, it's a big week. Um, or Gallagher, we, we could talk about, rather than talk about what happened over the weekend, we could talk about what happened two weekends ago when I'm, you were not there yeah. to whisper sweet nothings into Greg Vanny's ear about don't play Dayon, and so Dayon gets to play, and what happens? Two goals and two assists. I, I like, I mean, it's actually, it's kind of Trumpian in the way that you tried to rephrase all of that. Like, I wasn't there whenever he played against LAFC. Like, I haven't been there for every game that he's played against, Every basically everybody. You haven't been there, but I have been there. <laughs> That's so, true, but I did see the two goals and two assists. Yeah, it, I mean, it's it's one of those, um, you know, you were there, so you got to see it. Now, I certainly watched uh, from afar, and I saw everything that was going on. We talked about it on Thursday with Hammer as well, and just sort of, you know, the feelings around it. That, but, but you were there, so, I mean, this is a game that the LA Galaxy looked very, very good at, and sort of my argument has been that if you put LAFC and you put uh, Austin next to each other, that they are a particular type of team, right? They're a team that likes to attack. They're a team that likes to move forward. There are types of teams that think that they want to impose their will upon other teams. Um, and they don't sit back and they don't defend in low blocks. And Austin doesn't do that. And ultimately, Austin probably could have used some of that to their advantage. But they don't. They don't. They're too good for that. Same for LAFC. They have too much respect for themselves to just play sort of these low block counterattacking games. And when they don't do that and teams want to play against the LA Galaxy, the LA Galaxy are very successful. That's what I see in the two games. Unfortunately, I don't see this giant sea change that all of a sudden the LA Galaxy are this much better team. No, but they did seem to have a little bit more chemistry. The, the backhill pass, I thought, that set up the Chicharito goal was 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 really good. Yeah, and you know, Austin is a. The, the, here's the thing with Austin: it's it's a for me, it's a difficult. It's difficult to measure the Galaxy's progress because Austin has kind of gone in the tank. Now, Austin did have that big win over LAFC where they barely hung on, right? Uh, and their goalkeeper had just an amazing, amazing game. Probably the best game I've seen by a goalkeeper this year. And that was when they beat LAFC two to one uh, at Bank of California. In on the, either side of that, the Galaxy beat them one to nothing in Austin. And then the Galaxy had this big explosion and beat them at Dignity Health Sports Park. So it, did the Galaxy improve that much in four weeks from the one to nothing to the game that we saw uh, two weeks ago? I don't know. I mean, it, Austin's really hit the skid, so it's really tough to measure how good the Galaxy are now. Yeah, I, I mean, and. You you can say that, but then you also have the LA Galaxy's most dominant performance against LAFC, right? And that was that was in the in the Open Cup just the just a couple days before this game. So, I mean, yes, you want to go ahead and say how good are the LA Galaxy compared to those two games? 
but we've seen them sort of play again for me it's the type of teams that they're beating and i it doesn't surprise me that they beat lafc in the way that they do whenever you understand the way that lafc plays it doesn't surprise me that they beat austin the way they did whenever you understand that austin plays now you're going to go against a portland team that is a lot happier just giving the ball up and sitting back and and sort of sitting into these low blocks um, and so for me, when I see that, I say, okay, that's a different type of team than the LA Galaxy have been successful against. So, I mean, you know, a big test of sort of whether or not the LA Galaxy can keep the momentum. And maybe we can talk a little bit about whether or not the break was good or bad for the Galaxy. Uh, but whether they can keep that momentum is how they do against Portland, who I expect to play a lot lower block and much more of a counterattacking side. Of course, they already did beat Portland once this season, and that was one of their better performances. I remember three goal game up in, in Portland. I'm going to jump right to your other question, though. Was this good or bad? I, I think it's good. I mean, they they had some injury problems. This gives Vasquez a chance to get 100%. It gives uh, Costa a chance to get 100%. Um, it You know, a guy like Kleshton probably needs a little rest right now. Um, they didn't have a ton of guys going off on international duty, which gives them an advantage over some other teams in the division or in the conference. So I, all in all, I think that, you know, for a team like the Galaxy, which is one of the older teams, I actually think it probably was pretty good. Yeah, but I mean, there's also the whole idea about, you know, the momentum and whether or not you can sustain them. I mean, I think they were exhausted. One of the things Greg Vanny said after the Austin game was just that he knew everybody was tired. And so he was like, listen, if you get the ball and you hold it, then you can rest. So do that and let's fight through this sort of, you know, this tired because they're going to be tired, too. And everybody was tired. There's been a couple, a handful of games over the international break um, for in different MLS. So, I mean, I don't think that, you know, there's any major advantage for for the LA Galaxy to super rest on this. But you had guys like Sasha Kleshin, you had like Sega Koulibaly, who will be interesting to hear uh, LA Galaxy have an in-person media scheduled for Wednesday. So we should have an update on Koulibaly, whether or not he had to have surgery, how serious it is, that type of thing, because it's now been... Uh, quite some time removed there, Kevin. Um, but having said all that, it's it's one of those where I sit there and say, okay, so you know, is the the break sort of killed off this momentum that was flying? And even if you look at that that Austin game, I think they really finished that more with momentum than than with anything else. Um, so now, what happens against Portland? How do they how do they come out? And and are, does the rest help or did the rest hurt? Um, and I, I'm sure Greg Vanny will tell you it's probably both, but, um, at the same time, I don't think anybody's going to complain with as many games as the LA galaxy had to play through and understanding that galaxy come back, Kevin play Portland on Saturday, then have a Tuesday night open cup game. I mean, they're right back into the thick of things and they're going to be playing a lot of games here. We'll close out June. It feels like June isn't that busy. Um, but June ends up still having four games in it and there isn't that, you know, there's only half of uh, half of a month left whenever they play their first game uh, of June against Portland on the 18th. So it, no, and, it, it's and, coming and when fast. You look at the, and, and with the exception of the Sacramento game, which is, you know, the open cup, different competition, whole different ball of wax. I mean, the three teams that they, that they're playing next are coming out of the break, Portland, uh, San Jose and DC United. I mean, there's a chance, real chance there for them to to pick up some points. Those are teams that they ugh. they should beat, frankly. Ugh. Ugh. Every time you put any sort of expectation on this team, and it's been this way for a while, Kevin, we've seen it. Anytime you put any expectation for this team, uh, these are teams they should beat. I could go back and show you the months on the games where the Galaxy should have played better. You know, this whole getting to play home games in May was supposed to be the answer, and you had two losses and a draw in there, bookended by wins. 
Um, but overall, you know, 1.40 points per game in the in the month of May when most of your home games were in that May time frame. That's that's, you know, again, games, the Galaxy, you, you expected them to beat Dallas. You expected them to beat Houston. And both of those came off, you know, very, very poorly for the Galaxy. So I, I, I get nervous. And, and that's something we haven't seen from this Galaxy team. And I think it's the next step, though. Whenever, I, whenever I'm really trying to put it all together and, and trying to line this up for this team, the next step is to win games they're supposed to win and to win them not not comfortably because it's MLS and there's always an, an uneasiness about the game, but the is to win those games, is to beat Portland. You're, you have Portland at home. You have a chance to take the season series. You beat them in Portland. Now you can beat them down in, in Los Angeles. You have a chance to take that. You know, that's a game that you would expect perhaps the LA Galaxy to win. You expect them to beat Sacramento Republic in the Open Cup. You expect that whenever they go up to San Jose, that San Jose is crazy and you can never predict that game. And, you know. And that's the Stanford game, I believe. It is. It is. I can't. We talked about this on Thursday night and I've seen even more, but San Jose is just like drooling at the mouth trying to make this Cali Classico the most important rivalry in Major yeah, League Soccer. They, they don't have anything. They don't have any. Yeah, they, sometimes they don't even have a soccer team. I've seen those guys play. That's. It's, well, well, you know who the rivalry is, is trying to be because they played them a number of times in the in that U.S. Open Cup already is is Sacramento. And right. I, I talked to Todd Donovan, former Galaxy iconic defender, right? Played on a number of of trophy winning teams. The Galaxy. Oops, we oh. got a little action here. Played played on a number of trophy winning teams with the Galaxy. This is a game Sacramento is really looking forward to. I think the Galaxy could have some trouble with this. And you know what's interesting is the Galaxy. Well, this will be their third U.S. Open Cup game at home. The first was against Landon Donovan, former Galaxy superstar, right. comes in, plays. Then it was LAFC, which is a rivalry game. We don't need any extra for that. Now Todd Donovan, president of uh, Sacramento Republic, is bringing his team down. And, he and, said there's some, and future LA Galaxy president. That's just that's in my mind. That's not something that's actually way, happening. But he and I talked a little bit about that. Okay. And uh, um, but it, Todd is looking at this game sort of. He he kept trying to steer the conver- conversation away from whether it was personal. Which gave me the impression that yeah, you know, it's a game that he really wants to win. If it was, if he could pick this, beating the the earthquakes or beating the galaxy, he'd much rather want to. Uh, he'd much rather beat the galaxy. There's just that coming back to where he used to be. Right. Uh, but the, the, one other thing the Republic have going for them in this game. Um, well, one of the things Todd said is this is the game the galaxy is supposed to win, and we're not supposed to win it. And that that's a great position to be in, to be the underdog and just and just let caution go to the wind and just go out and play. But the other thing is, is if you remember a couple of years ago, Sacramento Republic were supposed to be an MLS expansion team. Mm-hmm. And and Ron Burkle, their, their, the money guy, left literally days before the press conference to announce it, um, backed out, and now he is the owner of the San Diego Wave of the NWSL. That's where he took his money and his soccer interest, left Sacramento high and dry, they're still trying to put that back together again. It doesn't know, look like they, they're going to be able to do that, not anytime soon. But the point being, this was a franchise ready to jump to MLS. A lot of the players that are there now were there then. Certainly the whole front office was there then. And to come in and beat an MLS team at home this deep in the U.S. Open Cup, that's exactly what they want to do to prove to everybody that they are an MLS franchise because they believe they are. They believe they're an MLS franchise playing in the USL Championship. Do you, do you think if uh, if I reach out to Todd um, that we could get him on the show for next Monday? You think you- I happen to know that you that you could because oh. I asked him about it. Okay, all right, all right. I will I will talk to to Mr. Donovan and see if he'll come on. That way we can you won't have to recap all this. We'll have something new and exciting to talk about instead of you just talking. Well, about I didn't the do thing a good job recapping about. it. Well, you, I, I didn't mean, do. A- 
I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I got that, all the names right. I got Todd and Donovan and Landon and Don. All those names I got right. You you did fine. I'm just saying that if you think about what we're going to be talking next Monday, which would be the the game over Portland, the 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 game they played against Portland, and previewing the Open Cup game that takes place the next night, you would think that perhaps you'd want to take some of the stuff you're saying right now and keep that in your side pocket. I know this is me trying to like figure mm-hmm. out like you know uh, shows and how you use like, it or lose it, baby. Yeah, use I know. It or lose I know, I know. Anyway, so, um, but that's that's super, I, I think that's going to be a fun game to, to look at. But again, hot and heavy, right? It's coming quickly uh, for the LA Galaxy. And listen, uh, the, the somebody, I, I saw people complaining that the Galaxy, and it wasn't Galaxy fans, it was other people saying stuff like, oh, well, the Galaxy only had to play one MLS team so far in the US Open Cup. Yeah, because the other MLS teams lost. That's why. Otherwise, the Galaxy would have would have been playing the San Jose Earthquakes if they wouldn't have lost to the Sacramento Republic, right? So it's these little things that sort of pile up. And listen, it's a great draw for the LA Galaxy. It has been. I've talked about winning this tournament and how it's a, how it's a product of a draw and a good draw. And the more home games you have, the better off you have. And right now, the LA Galaxy have played one away game, and it was in Irvine. That was hardly an away game. Okay, so that's why the LA Galaxy have looked good in this competition. And it goes pretty much the same for almost any team that wins this competition. It's why Seattle was so uh, prolific throughout their run was they always bid the host games whenever it was just a matter of, you know, they had the money and other teams didn't. So they're like, well, we'll host the game. We'll host the game. We'll host the game. And whenever they did, um, they would get home game, home game, home game, home game, and then eventually have to go on the road for one or two. But that was about it. So home games have always been sort of a a key of the U.S. Open Cup and, and all sorts of things like that excuse me um well it allows you it allows you to i I think a lot of coaches differ on their on the importance of this i don't think bruce ever really took it that important certainly in the latter years kurt onofo coached a couple of games i don't think he took it that important remember they played on the track stadium um but when you don't travel it's easier for you to when you have a home game you don't travel again it makes it easier for you to uh take it seriously because you know, it, it, even going uh, San Jose, going to Sacramento, or Sacramento to San Jose, or you know, Sacramento coming down here. If you're the MLS team and you have to travel, maybe you don't take your guys. That that adds a little bit more to it. There's a long drive. Maybe there's a plane flight. Maybe there's a hotel night. Um, and so that just adds the wear and tear. And maybe you don't take Chicharito to those games. Maybe you don't take Costa to those games. I don't know. Chicharito did have to sit for two hours on a bus to get down to the OC Stadium down there in Irvine, which I think is hysterical. I would like to have a camera like on the bus, yeah, just like I, watching some of these guys, like Douglas Costa, going, I have to ride on a bus for two hours to go to where? You know what I want to know about that? Because you talked about that a lot. And it sounded like the guys were really in a good mood. And, and I came away from your conversation, your description of, of, of how, um, you know, the, the guys that weren't playing were in the stands just cutting up and having a good time. And uh, did they, was that one of those things where the team said, my teammates are playing, I want to go support them. I want to go watch the game. I want to have a good time with my friends. Mm-hmm. Or was that something where Vanny said, everybody on the bus at five o'clock, whether you're playing or not, because it makes a difference. Um, you know, it, if they just made the best of something they didn't want to do, that's, that's still good news. But if they actually said, you know what, we really want to be there. We right. could have the night off. We really want to be there. I will say that I imagine, and this is my uh, my guess because I don't know the answer to it. My, I would imagine it's a little mixture of both, which was Greg Vandy said, hey, uh, everybody's going on the bus because we're going to be down there to support everybody. And that's what you guys want to do, right? And they're like, yeah, that's what we want to do. And so everybody got on the bus and they went down there. You know what I mean? So, so yeah, it might be one of those things where Chicharito with, you know, one of those things where Bruce always used to say, you don't treat everybody equal because everyone's not equal. So 
a Chicharito or a Douglas Casa could go and say, you know, I really don't want to make that trip. And right. then Bruce would say, okay. And then, you know, maybe uh, in, in this instance, uh, I don't know, Cameron Dunbar would say, if I'm not going to play, I really don't want to make the trip. And Bruce would say, that's too bad. <laughs> that's too Get bad. on the bus or you're walking because <laughs> yeah. you're going to be there. Yeah, exactly. No, I know what you mean. Um, Real quick, uh, two Super Chats we want to take care of. Uh, Philly Flacco uh, making it to another Monday here for us talking Galaxy News. We appreciate it, COG. So thank you for that. We appreciate it. $10 Super Chat and a little $5 Super Chat from Raphael as well. Thanks to Mrs. Panda for humanizing the panda. <laughs> Thanks for stopping, K-Back. See? Look. See, you're getting... Fa- People don't know this, but it's kind of like the Grinch where he started to get nice and his heart started to grow a little bit bigger. People's hearts just got a little bit bigger because of you and they're like, wow, he's not just a dick the whole time. Okay, cool. So <laughs> Most of the time. But don't 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 make uh, don't think bad of my friend Raphael there. He's probably a good guy all the time. I, I'm sure he is, absolutely. And see, the, the rest of the story was after you said you guys can you know get out of the car, is everybody okay? The whole deal, you went and you slashed their tires. So that was the, that was the end part of that that oh, we didn't oh, want to i forgot the last part of the nascar yeah. connection is yes. i had parked so close to the barrier to get out of traffic lanes i had to climb in and out of my car like a nascar driver kind of like the dukes of hazard i couldn't <laughs> i had to go in and out the window that was kind of cool good thing i saw it this weekend so oh, i knew how to do it i was gonna say i can just imagine you being like be, being like oh man i saw them do this i can do this it's harder than it looks too isn't it <laughs> it's, 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 well, it's, and, it, you've seen me it's a good thing i had a big window yeah, very big window. Um, no, that's good. That's that's very good. So anyway, came into the picture window. The windshield. I had to move the windshield out of the way. I, I wanted I wanted to touch on Yovelich um, some more, just because I think it's about time. I just, some of us have been on Yovelich the whole time. Don't play that game. <laughs> don't and and don't don't act like I didn't like. I, by the way, you know, for for all the people who and I said this on Thursday, and let me say it again. If you're screaming, start Yovelich, start Yovelich. I, I disagree. I think he, I think he's playing exactly in the spot that he's supposed to be playing. But I did pull up some numbers for him, Kevin, just because I wanted to see sort of where he was at in terms of goal scoring and that type of thing. So I got my all-time LA Galaxy goal scorers in the single season. And listen, I'm not trying to say Dayan Jovalich is going to be at the top of this list whenever it gets done. But in some of these cases, it sort of gives me an idea of how many goals per game somebody scores or how many minutes per goal we're sort of averaging right now. And... I would like to put Jovalich with his 226 minutes in league play and his three goals in league play, Kevin. He is averaging one goal every 75 minutes right now. Yeah, and that's second in MLS with players that have at least three goals. I believe Ola Kamara um, he, he may. is the only one that's doing better. Yeah, and, and so whenever you look at his minutes per goal, technically speaking, and listen, much smaller sample size, uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic with the LA Galaxy in 2019, where he scored 30 goals, scored one goal every 87 minutes. Right now, Jovalich, with his 226 small sample size, is 75 minutes per goal. That's better than what Zlatan was scoring at. So just keep that in mind. Um, is it okay if I don't join you in, conver- in comparing Jovalich to... To, oh, I mean, I mean, I it, this is not a comparison that I want to okay, make. Good. I just want to say that if we're looking at I, you try to put these things in perspective. Right. And so wh- what's the perspective we get? He's scoring at a really high rate right now. Um, and even if you go into some of his advanced stats and like expected goals and stuff like that, he's technically scoring underneath his expected goals. Kevin, he's so that means he's not overperforming right now, which is something 
that's kind of crazy to think about for a little bit, right? So technically, he should have a little bit more goals. Maybe he should have like half more goal um, whenever I was looking at some of the advanced stats. So he's right there. He's performing exactly at the rate, which means that he's getting chances, he's converting chances, and he's making the chances that he should, which is like the opposite of somebody like Kevin Cabral who gets a chance and like his XG is like 400 and he has one goal, you know, that type of thing. you know, by that thing, the, the 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 Galaxy goalkeeper with the best goals against average and the most saves and everything per game is Mike McGee. But you know, uh, again, small sample size. I will say that one thing about about Dayon is I, which I think made a difference against Austin, is you're right. I mean, his 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 best place may be coming off the bench. Um, but he came off the bench this time. I think believe he played 45 minutes, and and got the two goals and two assists. Which, by the way, he's the first player in MLS history to. To contribute to four goals uh, coming off the bench, but I think that's a much better role for him. M- you know, multiple minutes so that he gets a chance to get into the flow of the game. Yes, he can make an impact in 10, 12, 15 minutes, but he's not Alan Gordon, who was an expert at that. Um, I think Dayon needs a little bit more time to get into the game and read it. So, 35, 40, 45 minutes—a halftime substitution for him—is probably a really good uh, place for him to be. I really love him, like at the 60th minute mark, which, which to me gives him 30 minutes every game, that type of thing. And then you can sort of see if you're winning that game, then you know you can pull Chicharito whenever you want to and give him rest, right? Because we've talked about his minutes and 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 monitoring his minutes throughout this entire. Um, entire season as well. And and quite honestly, he's played a ton of minutes. Now, that's one of the good things about this break, right? Is that Chicharito gets to take a break. He gets to... Whew, all right. He was in London. He was in England. Did you see that? I did. I did. I saw that he was out there and he was visiting, I think, his kids and his ex... His, his wife, because they're not divorced, but they definitely are separated and living apart. It certainly seems to be, uh, allegedly, for all that. But um, he was visiting his kids and doing that. Um, type of thing, but he's also Kevin, and something that I don't think that we have touched on too much. He has been making some some gestures, and there has been some movement with Tata Martino and and the Mexican national team. There seems to be some tiny bit of momentum that perhaps Chicharito could find himself back with ooh, Mexico. Ooh, 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 yes. ooh! I know about all about that. I t- know stuff about that. T- t- go ahead; it's your floor, please. So the the first the first conversation which happened in May was one that that apparently Chicharito was involved in pursuing and 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 you know went through some some uh, common friends and and was able to get to to speak to Tata and in that conversation <clears throat> I don't know exactly the words that he used but but Tata came away from it uh, thinking that he had gotten an apology and Chicharito came away from it thinking that they had just had a discussion um, and so uh, that that's important though because. If Chicharito thinks that he gave Tata what he wanted without actually without, doing it, yeah, without actually doing it, I mean that's good. Tata wanted to hear an uh, an apology, and he thought he heard it. That's great. Then Tata also said because Mexico has just not been able to score, they did win their last game against Suriname. Unfortunately, Suriname will not be in the World Cup, so they're going to have to do a little bit better because they have Argentina and Poland in their group. But they're just not scoring at all. He definitely needs somebody to score and 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 Chicharito might be the guy so apparently Tata was going to come to Los Angeles at the end of this June international break after the Nations League games was going to come to Los Angeles and, and see Chicharito and whether the timing was bad because of Galaxy stuff or Chicharito's travel whatever it was Tata said no we'll talk probably by Zoom and he did confirm that 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 he has every intention to speak with Chicharito and that that's going to happen now one of the interesting things is when this whole thing came down, this was in, in the fall of 2019, Chicharito scored in a game against the U.S. in the Meadowlands 
reportedly violated some team rules during that international break, had a party at the hotel. Tata Martino wanted an apology from him for that uh, party, but but for apparently some other things that Chicharito had done that violated team rules. This is the history of the whole thing. Chicharito did not want to apologize, didn't think he needed to, uh, hasn't been back with the team since. And one of the things that the Martino wanted to do was not to make it look like it was him against Chicharito, like one dictator determining who would be on the team. Right. So he enlisted a lot of the veterans, and a lot of the veterans also came out and said, um, no, Chicharito can't come back. This is a team. We have mm. team rules. He violated the team rules. He needs to apologize. Now the word is that the entire Mexican team, the players, have all said, yeah, it's been long enough. He's suffered enough. He's paid his price, which all of which means we need him for the World Cup because we don't have anyone that can score. Two players apparently are holding out. It's Andres Guardado and Memo Ochoa. That's the reporting from Mexico. That they appear to be the two that are saying we're not uh, quite sure that we want them back yet. We're not. We don't know that we've heard enough. So in, in a way, it, it, you know, you can kind of see. You know, hey, maybe maybe Tata kind of made this Frankenstein monster, and now it's not going to allow him to do what he wants. It's it's you know these things obviously happen for a reason. I'm all about following rules. Um, and I think that when rules are broken, that there's an understanding of, of what happens and how that sort of goes down, Kevin, right? I mean, that's, that's my general understanding of, of just how things sort of go about. But when you look at the amount of stupidity that comes from all these national teams, like they are some sort of life or death situation, which they are absolutely not. Sports is not. Um, and it's very important and very fun to watch and all that, but it, it's a sport whenever it comes down to it. But the amount of damage that I've seen happen to national teams or just teams in general from people with big egos thinking that they have way more power than they do, um, it ruins... I mean, listen, my, my, the biggest one that everybody can sort of point to is Zlatan Ibrahimovic not playing for Sweden. Do you know how much time he missed with Sweden, Kevin? Do you know how much international football Zlatan missed because of you know, big egos on his part and coach's part and federation part and all sorts of things in between. But it's been stupid that it lasted for as long as it did and he missed as much. And this is the same thing. Uh, Mexico need a score. Chicharito is their all-time leading goal scorer. He should be on that field. You can say whatever you want and you can you can, you can can make it however you want. But I think that that means a lot for him um, personally to go and play internationally. And I think it is... I think it it behooves the LA Galaxy to have Chicha involved and wanting to play in the World Cup uh, whenever it comes up this winter. That's that's what I think. I think it will benefit the LA Galaxy, and it can only benefit the Gal- LA Galaxy. I'm perfectly aware he could go off to Mexico and get injured, and so it's better not to play those games. But when you see how he gets motivated and how he plays, um, I think I think it's it's a good thing that this seems to be working towards resolution, even if I find it ridiculous in most cases. Well, you know, there's a little bit of history at stake here, too, for the Galaxy franchise. Um, I, I don't think Grand Seer or Cabral are going to get called up by France. Madagascar didn't make the World Cup. So, I mean, uh, there's, you know, they, they do have uh, Raheem Edwards, who has an outside, outside, outside chance of making the Canadian team because he's in pretty good form. They'll be in the World Cup. But other than that, it might be Julian Araujo. Um, the Galaxy have, this will be the first team, unless something changes, this will be the first time. Uh, the U.S. national team has played in the World Cup without a Galaxy player yeah. uh, on its roster. Yeah, and so any, so if they can send somebody from Mexico, that's almost like right. Ju- know, Julian Araujo is a possibility, but he's sort of on, right on that fringe right now. Let's talk a little bit about the international players. Being you, you brought it up. There's a bunch of them. Uh, Efrain Alvarez, I think, has scored at least two goals with the U21s. Here's the thing: um, nobody should be excited about the fact that that Efrain Alvarez is playing with Mexico U21s and tearing it up. 
Uh, I think that's good. It shows that his form is sort of carrying it over. But but Julian Rojo is not a U21 player, right? I mean, you can see it whenever he plays. He's much better than the U21s. The problem is that whenever he plays up with senior teams, uh, that there's a gap there that he doesn't quite quite reach that level. But the fact that he's gotten two goals, at least two goals, he may even have three goals in this U21 tournament for Mexico. Um, he's he's very good at this level of competition. He's he's much better than than the kids he's basically playing against. And so you see that and that's good. But the bottom line is that this is a guy who is expected to be playing on the Mexican national team and he is not in that picture right now. Not at all. Um, and so I think that's a that's a step backwards. Good that he's getting some international play. Good that he's keeping up his level. But uh, whenever you look at Efrain Alvarez right now with the U21s, that's not where he should be playing. Um, if no, he, he should have been in the Suriname game because that's the guys that that Tata's looking for for Pat to perhaps audition for the World Cup he's, team. And he's, and he's on another continent. Yeah, he is not. He is not in that in that zone at all. So you know, good that he's with the U21s. Julian Araujo didn't get uh, any of the friendly matches, but did get to play against Suriname. Uh, got his first competitive international start. Picked up a yellow card in the tenth minute. Probably not the best thing for Tata. Uh, whenever it all comes down, uh, played all nine. Minutes in that three nothing win over Suriname, so that's good. Uh, they have another uh, Concacaf Nations League game coming up tomorrow night, so six fourteen at, at Jamaica. Yeah, at Jamaica, Jamaica versus Mexico. So they'll be playing in that one. We'll see if Julian Rajo gets to uh, have another uh, run out against Jamaica as well. So uh, I think if you're an LA Galaxy fan, perhaps no would be a better thing. So that way he would be ready for this weekend and uh, and and ready to go. But at the same time, this is about him and trying to find that uh, that Mex uh, that World Cup uh, team. I'm trying to go over here real quick because I was watching um, it is still okay so I was checking Raheem Edwards now you talked about Raheem Edwards a little bit um, Raheem Edwards did get called up for Canada he's on the fringe but he's been on the bench we have not seen him play any minutes yet and I'm just going to go through here real quick to make sure that I don't see him coming on nope nope and they've used all five subs it looks like yeah they've used all five subs by the 67th minute um and it doesn't look like raheem edwards is going to find the field again so they're losing one nothing right now to honduras that game's being played as we're uh, recording so uh raheem edwards didn't get a run out against curacao whenever uh canada beat them for nothing now in honduras doesn't get a run out uh against uh, uh against honduras with canada so uh he's right you on know, that edge yeah. But he lost his best chance when they, they boycotted those two games uh, before the Nations League games. They had a couple of friendlies they were going to play, and I, I thought that's where he was going to get a chance. I mean, I don't know that John Herman knows enough about him or feels comfortable enough about him to put him in a competitive game, but I, I think he wanted to get a look at him. That's why he called him in, get a look at him maybe in those friendlies, and, and those were not played because uh, anyone who wasn't uh, – up to speed, Canada decided they weren't going to play those games uh, over a wage dispute that has a lot to do with the women's national team as well. So that's probably where, why Raheem Edwards lost his chance. Yeah, it very well could have. Um, we go to Kelvin Leardam. Leardam has been playing a bunch with Suriname. Um, and, uh, Not Sur uh, Suriname? Yeah, it's Suriname. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, trust me. I got it. I got it. I looked it All up right. and everything. Um, so he, did he play against Julian? He did. He did play against Julian Araujo. There was actually some video of uh, of those two after the game whenever they were talking. So they were they were hanging out saying he's played in three 90-minute games so far. There was a 1-1 draw on the fourth uh, with Jamaica. That was a 90-minute game for, for Kelvin. Uh, another 90-minute game, a full game for him in a loss at Jamaica. So 3-1. So they went 1-1 draw with Jamaica at home. And then they went away to Jamaica and lost 3-1. And then they lost on 
on June 11th, three nothing loss to Mexico. Uh, also played 90 minutes in that game as well. So he's he's been on that one. The the final player that we have on the uh, on the senior circuit, so to speak, uh, is Ryan Ravellison. Uh, he played 90 minutes in Madagascar's one one draw versus Angola on uh, June 5th. Uh, that was an Africa Cup of Nations qualifying game. Uh, there. The only other uh, players that I sort of wanted to highlight here, Jalen Neal, Marcus Fercranis, and Johnny Perez. Uh, Neal and Fercranis have been called up to the U.S. U-20s, and Johnny Perez has been called up to the Mexico U-20s, and this is for the CONCACAF U-20 championship. Uh, This is going to be between June 18th and July 3rd in Honduras. Uh, Basically, four teams will qualify for the 2023 FIFA U-20 World Cup in Indonesia, and two teams, the top two teams, will qualify for the 2024 Olympics in Paris. So this is a super big, important tournament for these guys. You have Jalen Neal out there, you have Marcus Fercranis for the U.S., and then on the the Mexico U-20 size, Johnny Perez out there as well. So just sort of keep an eye on that as that starts to to play out here uh, in in the middle of June. But that means that they those guys will not be with the LA Galaxy whenever they uh, whenever they come back and start playing against Portland. What about Efrain's availability for those U twenty games? He has not been called up to it yet. Um, if so, he gets called up for a CONCACAF U-20 tournament, that is really a super big bad sign. I mean, but at the same time, this is one of the most important tournaments. It's not only qualifying for the Olympics, right, which everybody, which the U.S. has been dying to do, but also Mexico, you know, qualifies for the Olympics to play in it. But it's also the the U-20 World Cup. It is a big deal. It's just that if you're Efrain Alvarez, again, you should be on the senior team, not the U-21s, not the U-20s. That's mm-hmm. where he should be sort of looking at stuff. So anyway, that was the the international update I think that everybody had um, that everybody was sort of sort of looking at. And so lots of players going. Um, I think the last games are being played tomorrow night. So everybody should be returning after tomorrow night um, and coming back. And I would imagine that Greg Vanny will tell us on Wednesday that those guys get back and that he would expect that they're probably available to play. But, um, you know, some of these guys have played, you know, Leardam has played, uh, you know, what, 270 minutes since uh, since he went away. So that's a lot. And while he's a sub for the LA Galaxy most of the time, um, you would expect that he's still available on the bench, that type of thing, uh, whenever they go against Portland. Uh, Araujo, I would imagine, uh, can probably, even if he plays 90 minutes on on uh, on Tuesday night uh, for Mexico, that he would be able to be available again uh, for the weekend. So I don't expect Ravellison is probably, might already be back by now because I think they only had one game that they were playing and that game's over. So he's probably, you know, headed back and, and doing all that. So for the most part, I don't expect this to really impact the LA Galaxy for this weekend, but we'll hear from Greg Vanny on Wednesday about whether or not that's true so but by the way you you, you talked about greg vanny speaking on wednesday and you hope to get some news about sega koulibaly you know he got hurt like about a month ago and they've been on break a couple of weeks and we were wondering about the surgery before they took the break why i, I i'm just i'm troubled why why did the galaxy do that i guess a lot of mls teams do it too but if he has surgery say he had surgery like for example mm-hmm. angel city today said Christian Press had torn her ACL. Yeah. Um, they didn't wait for like a press conference. They didn't wait two weeks, you know, to release the news. If the guy goes in for surgery and he's a, a major player like that, I could I could see if it's an academy guy, but if it's a major player like that, why not well, send out a press release? Well, we don't know if he had surgery or not. So that's one of the things. I mean, I understand what you're saying, right? But at the same time, there was questions about whether or not they still didn't know severity and whether or not they were even gonna suggest surgery or whether or not it was gonna be something that they could just rest. So that's, I mean, there's a good chance that there wasn't surgery, 
Um, and if that's the case, then that's why they probably didn't announce good, it. That would be a good release, uh, a good reason not to announce there was surgery. <laughs> right. surgery. I mean, but at the same time, I could also see them going, oh no, he did have surgery and, you know, it was a minor yeah. procedure or whatever it was. But yeah, I mean, you're right. There was, you know, there, they, they, I doubt we have seen them say, Hey, this person is ha- had surgery and they put out a press release. I have gotten those before. Yeah. So. But you know, my favorite one is a lot of times, a lot of teams do this and, and even other teams in other sports will say, no, we want the manager or the coach, uh, to, to make that announcement. You know, you call and say, Hey, did you know, so-and-so, how is he doing? Is he had surgery? Well, you have to wait and talk to the coach at the press conference tonight. Right. Uh, and then the coach will say, yes, Josh Gessman, you know, and he had a, uh, procedure done on his knee and, uh, um, you know, he's, he's out for three weeks. Can, what was the procedure? I don't know. Well, you know, right. can you give us some details? I don't know. You have to talk to the medical people. Well, you just told us we can't ask the medical people. We have to wait for you. So uh, why they do that? They, you know, they have a medical staff. Why not let the medical staff tell us what happened? Yep. By the way, the chat room is, uh, is talking to us and asking for a Farai Mutatu update. Um, I, I think, oh, yeah, I, I know. I, I, I want to, um, and it's, it's about that time where it's probably necessary. Um, I can't do it today. Um, but I, basically it's, it's going to be about asking Greg Vanny about it, um, in a, in a more public forum. So I think that that time has probably come for us to do that. Um, so if I make it out on Wednesday, that's one time, but, um, I might also be able to do it, um, after the game, um, or perhaps, you know, after the U S open cup game, it's, it's one of those things. So we will figure out, I, again, I, can, I, I yeah. Can, can we hint? I mean, he's not, it, it's not an illness. It's not a, no, it, it's, it's more of a kind of a, it's a paperwork. paperwork yeah. It's a paperwork thing. So, um, we'll see. And they want to get it done. The galaxy have not lost uh, in, in your last conversation, right? You're the one that's following this. Yeah. The galaxy have not lost interest. This is still a guy that they're very high on. They, they, they are, they are, but eventually there is, you know, there comes a time where if, if things don't progress and can't progress, then, then maybe there, there won't be. So anyway, I'll, I, I want to give the whole thing and I want Greg Vanny to chance to, to answer it publicly. So that way we can get sort of the full thing. And then I can go into some of the details that we've talked about and, and do that. So we will be there. Um, cause it's it, a bombshell. <laughs> it's going to blow the socks off. <laughs> yeah. Every, every, everybody's going to freak out. Uh, what's his, for, 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 for Fabrizio, Fabrizio Romano will probably have to tweet about it. That's 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 how how big it now it's not. Um, so it's just something. But um, I'm not trying to be secretive. It's just I'm trying to respect the process a little bit. But we're we're at that point where it's probably uh, probably time to talk about it. So uh, lives are at stake. We have to be quiet. <laughs> but I mean, so that sort of leads us into a little bit of transfer talk, right? Which is we had we talked about on Thursday, and and the Galaxy had the 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 picnic at the pitch, which is the, the premium season ticket holders got to sit on the side of the training field and the guys, you know, did a training in front of them. And then they, they got to talk to Greg Vanny and the whole thing. And so they were able to ask Greg Vanny some questions. And one of our listeners, Tony was, was able to ask Greg Vanny about a central attacking midfielder. And Greg sort of said, yeah, uh, it's one of those places. Anytime you ask Greg uh, about it, he's going to say yes, um, that that's something they're looking for. Not necessarily, um, we he there's this argument about central defensive midfielder or central attacking midfielder blah 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 the whole deal. Vanny was very critical of Efrain Alvarez just in the way that he was talking about it. He said, you know, we'd hope that Efrain Alvarez um, was going to be able to take over some of these duties, and that hasn't happened. So we need to go out and we try to find somebody. I mean, when you hear that, that's pretty damning of what you expect from a coach about talking about players, right, Kevin? I mean, you're like, oh, well, we expected him to do this, but he didn't, and so he's not. Basically, that means he's not meeting our expectations. 
Um, which I, I, if you're watching and you have eyes, you could see that. That's fine. That's understandable. Um, so now it's about what the LA Galaxy go out and do, and whether it's a central attacking midfielder or a central defensive midfielder. And Vanny was very sort of cagey on it, which is I don't think he wants to say, hey, we're really desperate for a central attacking midfielder because then all of a sudden everybody goes, oh, so you need a cam, huh? Well, let me just jack that price up about 20, 20%, right? Um, so he's trying to be like, oh, maybe we do, maybe we don't. If the price is right, if the fit is right, then we're going to do it. I don't think there's any chance the LA Galaxy don't get through this transfer window without adding a player, and I think they're going to add a player um, at that central attack in midfield. The only thing that sort of throws any sort of hiccup in that for me, Kevin, which is going to sound crazy for a second, uh, is whether or not Sega Koulibaly has, has surgery and how long that is. And if it's going to be long-term to the LA Galaxy splash on a targeted allocation money central defender, even though the LA Galaxy have one bazillion central defenders. Um, I, I don't know that, that that Nick DePew is the answer there. Uh, I don't know that Eric Zavaleta, who's been injured a little bit, is the answer. Um, and so whenever you look at the backups and sort of where they're at, you're like, those guys are good backups, but are they starters? And Sega Koulibaly was one of the most consistent defenders the LA Galaxy had. So I really think it's going to be between those two positions, whether it's that central attacking midfield, central defensive midfielder, or another center back, which is just crazy top whenever like you would say, oh, the LA Galaxy are definitely going to sign another center back. Well, you know, I hope they get the central attacking midfielder just because I want to say they got a cam with jam and tam. Right. Um, that's that's the only reason. That's the only reason. Right. But um, you're right about the the situation at center back because Zavaleta came in at the very end, uh, you know, right before the season, actually into the season. They're not paying him very much. It was almost like, you know, he had nowhere to go and, and they gave him a few dollars to come over here. And, and I think Depew, you're right. I mean, if, if he started the season, right, he was at least in the preseason, he was the guy. Um, or he was given a lot of opportunity to seize that spot, and he didn't. And I think Greg has kind of lost confidence in him a little bit. So I think he sees him as a decent backup, but I don't think um, he wants him playing 90 minutes you know, every game. So if Koulibaly is going to miss any significant time, I definitely think that that their, uh, you know, their desires are going to change a little bit, and they're going to have to fill that. But what you said earlier about you know, if the Galaxy tip their hand what they want, you know, the price goes up. Guess what? The Galaxy are going to overpay for every player they get. You know why? Because of the Galaxy, and especially now with Greg Vanny and his reputation. You know when he was in Toronto, they led the league in spending and, and payroll by a lot every year. And so you have, you know, the one of the biggest, richest uh, franchises, one of the richest owners in world soccer. Forget MLS um, with this team, and then you have the coach that 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 spends a lot. And if they go looking for a player, guess what? They're playing a lot, going to pay a lot more. For the same player than Sporting Kansas City or Real Salt Lake, you're going to pay. Yeah, I mean, you said you're you're not wrong, and and the the bottom line is the history favors the LA Galaxy spending at the, you know the money they have, and then with Greg Vanny in there, it just sort of says, oh yeah, for sure you're spending but, money. So I mean, it's not but, not a surprise. But there's a but there's a, a the flip side to that, which is also good, is they're going to get players that Sporting Kansas City and Real Salt Lake are going to get not for the money. I mean, if if you're a guy like like uh, you know any a Robbie Keane or, or you know. Ashley Cole, and you think maybe I want to dip my toe in MLS and check it out and really haven't got much going on over here, they are not ringing up Real Salt Lake or Sporting Kansas. I was really surprised to see, uh, um, you know, some of the players that have got like Bastian Schweinsteiger wind up in Chicago. Um, you know, those players are going to come here. And so if, you're, if, if there is a central attacking midfielder that wants to move and that can be had, um, he's probably going to listen to the Galaxy's offer. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, the Galaxy is going to pay a little bit more. But guess what? They got the player to talk to. 
Um, I just don't think those players are interested in going to some other teams in MLS. As much as everyone talks about, oh, MLS is such a great league, there are there are destinations: the Seattle's, the New Yorks, uh, you know, LA. Both teams in LA and probably Miami now, and I think that's where a lot of the players that are coming over want to go. I, I I I hesitate to say this just because I, I know Galaxy fans will get excited whenever I do, but there is potential for a blockbuster type deal in this. And the only reason I can say that in, with any sort of terms of, 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 you know, certainty or at least predicting that something bigger could happen, like whenever you sit there and say, OK, well, the LA Galaxy have a max Tam guy. So we know that's one point six million dollars plus. Right. And so that's the limit you're allowed to spend on that. But what the LA Galaxy also have is an is an opening DP spot in Chicharito after this summer. And so you could see something, Kevin, like Zlatan Ibrahimovic, obviously not Zlatan level, because I don't know. It, I mean, maybe you could get Cristiano Ronaldo. That would be Zlatan level, right? Cristiano Ronaldo, you could get him for one point six million dollars for like six months. Right. It's one of those where you could figure out how to make it work again. Uh, for a short period of time and then give a designated player spot for the, the next season. Um, and so that's something that could happen. It is a possibility. Having said that, I don't expect that. I think the LA Galaxy are trying to find a piece to a puzzle. I think that they, ultimately uh, they would like Douglas Costa's DP slot back um, and be able to spend a DP slot on a central attacking midfielder in the 4 to $5 to $6 million range. Uh, that would sort of fill that, but they're going to have to find a discount one at 1.6 um, in order to make that fit and then sort of deal with any of the DP stuff that they have over the, the next season. So I, I'm not 100% convinced, and I don't think anybody should be, and I don't think Chicharito is, and I don't think the LA Galaxy are, and I, don't th- I think it's to be expected, is whether or not you think the LA Galaxy are going to pick up Chicharito's option right now. If you're the LA Galaxy, are you, you're, you're, I, would, I wouldn't be entertaining that, would you, Kevin? Not, at least not right now. No, but but the other thing with what you're talking about makes a lot of sense. And one of the things that figure in this is the World Cup. And we know LAFC had a big signing. Giorgio decided to come to MLS at 37, almost 38, um, when Italy did not qualify for the World Cup. Right. If they were going to play in the World Cup, he was going to stay, and he was going to play in Europe, and he was going to play against top competition in Syria, and he was going to go to the World Cup. He doesn't have a World Cup to play in now with Italy, so – and he had a year left on his contract with Juventus, so he got out of that and came to MLS, and, and you know, it, that was the time to do it. There's good and bad with the World Cup, and, and the way I look at it is a guy like Giorgio who's done everything and, and you know, can relax a little bit, he might want to come to MLS right now. So you might get that blockbuster player um, if, he's on, if he's an older player on a team that is not going to a World Cup. He may decide this is the time to make the move. Another player that might decide it's time to make the move is a guy on a country that is going to the World Cup, but he needs to prove himself. He's a bubble player, and he needs to prove himself. And, yeah, you would think he'd want to stay and play in the Premier League or play in Syria. Ah, But, no, he may want to come over here and get a full run of games to prove himself. Remember, the, the European season is not going to start until late August, early September. They're going to have some international breaks. Uh, the, the World Cup, you know, everyone's going to break for the World Cup in November. So he is a, that player would have a limited number of games to prove his fitness. If he came over to MLS, yes, the competition is different, but he would be able to play himself into shape, would be able to have a run of games to prove himself. I think that there and, – and you know, general managers like John Thornton at LAFC and, and Greg Vanny too have talked about they, they are seeing some heightened interest in Europe in those kind of players. Right. So maybe the, the chance for a, that, that kind of blockbuster you were talking about – maybe much higher at this time than maybe it will be next year or was last year. Yeah, it, it very well. I, I'm, I'm certainly not discounting it. Uh, I believe, does the transfer window open July 6th? I want to say it's 6th. 
maybe the eighth. I can't remember off the top of my head. But anyway, it's coming. Um, you know, they got to climb through like NASCAR drivers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly what they have to do. So anyway, so that's sort of where we sit. I just wanted to look at, at standings and listen, there were some games. So I just wanted to make sure that nothing overly changed uh, in the Western Conference LAFC with 29 points, 2.07 points per game. Uh, Dallas at 25 points, Salt Lake City at 25 points. They have one more game than most play most teams. Um, so they're 1.67 points per game. Austin at 24 points, 1.71 points per game. Uh, the LA Galaxy, 23 points, 1.64 points per game. Nashville has played 15 games. Uh, they're at 23 points, 1.53 points per game. So uh, below the LA Galaxy there. Houston at 18 points, 1.29. Uh, Minnesota below the line. Colorado below the line. Vancouver, Seattle, Portland, San Jose, Kansas City. Kansas City just keeps plummeting. I'm surprised. I, I really think Peter Vermees may, be, may have to move on from his head coaching role. Uh, it doesn't seem to be getting better, although they are going out and looking for some reinforcements, it seems like. Um, so that's happening. On the Eastern Conference side, New York City at the top with 26 points, uh, Philadelphia 25, Montreal 23, New York 23, Orlando 21, Charlotte 19, Cincinnati 19. Below the line right now, New England with 19 points, so they're tied right there at number eight. Uh, they have Miami, uh, Columbus, Atlanta, Toronto, D.C., and Chicago all below the line on the Eastern side of things. So really interesting as it all goes down it goes uh west coast uh western conference eastern conference western western eastern western eastern and then the la galaxy with western it's very much a seesaw back and forth a lot of times we see it get log jam with one conference or the other sort of at the top um but right now at uh 2.07 points per game it's lafc um the la galaxy beat them twice so far this year it's i mean that does say something i'm not sure what it says yet but it says something i will let you know at the end of the season whether it means anything or not well yeah i mean galaxy four their wins are against lafc and austin i yeah it's, it's well although that that uh, second lafc win didn't count in the standings but, right but i mean they those are supposed to be really good teams at least early in the season they've proven that they that they were playing well yeah but i mean you know but they lost against dallas right and so that's a dallas's third in the supporter shield whenever you look at it um montreal new york nashville with galaxy they beat nashville. they beat new york the best team in the east one of their few losses they, new york has was against the galaxy yep new york city they beat i mean there's just this i don't know I don't, I don't know. I know we're supposed to be able to tell you because especially with the second half of the season coming here, Kevin, second half of the season with quote unquote, second half of the season, um, 17 games is the, is the first half. And then there's 17 games after that. We're not there yet, but we're calling it second half of the season after this international break and sort of this, this slowing of momentum around the league. Now it should start to build into a frenzy over the summer and all that sort of stuff. So we're watching that, but I mean, so uh, one base question to ask you is this team better than the team was last year oh yeah okay yeah i think so i think so too and i think if you look at the i I'd, if you don't look at any of the standings you don't look at any of that just in the w way that they play i would say they're better than this team that the team was last year some of the stats support that as well some of the stats don't i mean technically last year's team had more points at this at this juncture than the la galaxy did uh, than the LA Galaxy in 2022 did. In fact, they had two more points, right? So in 2021 through 14 games, LA Galaxy had 25 points. The LA Galaxy in 2022 have 23 points. Technically, if you go on points, the 2021 team was better. The 2019 team was better. Um, having said that, uh, I would argue that 2019 team was actually pretty good. 
Um, and that 2021 team was not because in pretty soon, you're not going to see those point totals start climbing for that 2021 team anymore. They're going to stay exactly where they were because there was a giant collapse in the last third of the season. Um, and if the LA Galaxy can avoid that and play with some consistency through the summer and through all these games that are mounting up and all these things that are coming, if they can stay healthy, then you're going to see a better team. Um, well, at the one, I mean, it's the eyeball test with this Galaxy team. Yeah, you can look at the numbers and say those other teams were better, but this team still has a lot of room to grow. I think the ceiling is still very high, and I don't think they're close to it. When you look at the fact that New York has lost, uh, New York City's lost three games, one to the Galaxy, LAFC's lost three games, one to the Galaxy, Austin's lost four games, two to the Galaxy, the, you, you know this team can play at a very high level. But then you see some of the the eggs they've laid, especially at home, and you say, well, you know, they don't play that way every time. And and if they can, can if they can continue to put it together like they did just before the break, um, I, I just think they have a chance to really be a good team. I just see more upside to this team. And so, yeah, at this point last year, uh, last year's team was much better, and they had a better record, and and they were beating teams. And but I just didn't. I it, it almost felt like they were doing it with smoke and mirrors. Like this is the yeah. best they can do. And if if anything goes slightly wrong, they're going to fall apart. And they did. This team feels different. It feels the other way around. Like they're playing really well, but they can be so much better than they are. Yeah. Um, super interesting just to see how teams are changing too. And and I think that the, the, this transfer window, and listen, some player, the reason some teams can add players right now are some players can be out of contract, right? Uh, if you're out of contract, then technically you can join a team um, whenever you want. Um, there's no, the outside of the roster freeze deadline, you can't. So Cellini coming to LAFC, I think Hector Herrera uh, with Houston, right? So he's with uh, with the Houston Dynamo now. I, I totally forgot that was happening and I saw like a, 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 a picture of that and I was like, oh, oh, there's one. You know, okay, I see it. But Yeah, the, that happened at the end of May, I think. Yeah, he was it, able to come over. Yeah, and so again, if you're out of contract, then you're able to come over and be added to the roster. Um, if you're still under contract, then you're going to have to wait until the transfer window opens and so that'll open in July, the beginning of July and it'll basically go through the beginning of August. So you're going to have 30, 30 something days uh, to get in there and, and make additions and do that stuff. But I think it's going to be really interesting to see which team. There's always one team that gets a guy in the middle that transforms them and makes them a much better team. I feel like this LA Galaxy team is missing a piece in the middle. And if they get that piece in the middle, if they're able to go and get a cam um, and get that piece in the middle that positively affects this team, then I think you're going to see a different LA Galaxy team in the second half of the season. I think that's going to be super interesting to watch. So the Galaxy, I feel like, have enough pieces in place right now. Yes, there's some bad contracts. Yes, there's a hope right now, Kevin, that Douglas Costa doesn't play anymore um, because with the way Cabral and Grand Sir are running on the outside channels and sort of how this team is starting to develop without him on the field, there's a good chance that the gal this Galaxy team can be good. If you have to force him into playing more, I think this team takes a little step backwards, which is going to be a super interesting storyline to watch for the second half of the season as well. How much playing time does Douglas Costa get? How did the LA Galaxy wriggle out of his contract? Because so far, it seems to be a pretty big bust, right? So, well, yeah. Let me let me ask you, how, how are you going to pay for that, Cam? $1.6 million. There's a target out. We know we're fairly so, certain. So with... with with Tam or maybe yeah. Jam. Yeah, no, Tam. 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 Okay. Tam. It's yes. a can it's a it's a 
Tam Cam. It's a Tam Cam. Yes, absolutely. Um, we should get a shirt that says Tam Cam on it. If whenever they go to sign one, that's a great. Oh, I idea. got a shirt. I got a shirt from you, which I I still need to wear. Somewhere. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can wear it wherever you want. You're you probably won't be at the game this weekend, so I, you know I won't see you. So you know, I, yeah. I I will be at the U.S. Open Cup game. Ooh, look at you! Are you allowed to go yep. to that game? Are you sure? There's no NASCAR that week. <laughs> <laughs> very good, very good. So anyway, that's sort of where we sit there. Um, uh, let's see, what is it? The, oh, uh, Jonathan Prin- Jonathan is in, in the chat room and he says, Josh, what is, the, what is rule number one with DPs? They have to make a difference in play. None of our DPs have set, have set us up for success. Um, Chicharito, Chicharito has. has. I am still uh, very uh, bullish on on Cabral. I think I think that I think it's going to work. It's going to be painful, um, but it's going to work. And so I think Cabral, it's it's Costa right now is the is the dead spot. Um, and so that's going to that's going to hurt the L.A. Galaxy. That's a huge handcuff. You, basically, you have to play with one hand behind your back whenever you have a DP that you don't want to play on the field. Right. I mean, if you're going to yeah, and, and Greg Vanny knows this, you have to hit on your designated players, Kevin. You have to get your designated players right. And the L.A. Galaxy, big surprise, have not hit on their designated players in a long time. Um, Chicharito is has shown instances of being a game changing designated player. And if he played more games last year, the, the Galaxy make the playoffs. Uh, this year, he's a little more quiet, but I like the way that he's playing more of a more team ball um, and just the, the players around him. It, listen, we've been complaining about the LA Galaxy needing. Are you there? Yeah, yeah, I'm still here, Kevin. Um, we've been complaining about the LA Galaxy and sort of, um, you know, finding that other goal scorer. Uh, finding that other guy. And so I think that, you know, Jovalich really could be that other guy. Get him that 45, 30 minutes every single game because he needs to be on the field um, as as much as you can you can do it without sort of affecting how the LA Galaxy want to play. So anyway, that's sort of where I'm at. Is there anything else, Kevin, that you want to touch on or did I lose you? Oh, maybe I did lose Kevin. Maybe he just went away. That's okay, too. I don't I don't know that we we have to have Kevin. For the rest of this show. As a matter of fact, I was just getting ready to wrap things up anyway. So I'm not sure it matters. Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. We'll see. Um, but anyway, no. So I'm glad that we could sort of uh, get everybody uh, back and, and here. And we're on a Monday night and things are going well again. Um, so I, I hope hopefully that means that the LA Galaxy are ready um, and for this game coming up uh, against Portland. So um Ooh. Really interesting sort of time to be watching the LA Galaxy. I think a lot of things are sort of going to change. A lot of things are going to happen. Um, and I think that you're going to see an LA Galaxy team that either drives sort of into this drift in the second half of the season, or you're going to see sort of a regression a little bit. So anyway, that's where we're at. Uh, LA Galaxy playing against the Portland Timbers coming up on... Oh, look, Kevin wants to get back in the show. Um, a lot of... Uh, I was going to say the LA Galaxy playing against the Portland Timbers coming up on Saturday... Um, that's Saturday. Let's see. Saturday, June 18th. It's 2 p.m. kickoff time. So early ESPN, ESPN Deportes is where you can find it. 2.08 kickoff time. Uh, 2 p.m. TV start time, 2.08 p.m. kickoff time, as it says on my graphic. Yeah, you didn't even know I was gone, did you? Uh, no, I did. Uh, we were all, oh, okay. everybody in the chat room was, was, uh, re- rejoicing. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Um, 
So anyway, I could so not rescuing more stranded motorists. No, you're at home now, so um, <laughs> you're probably just slashing uh, Mrs. Panda's tires at this point. Uh, so anyway, so that's the game coming up on Sunday at Dignity Hill Sports Park, and then there's a Tuesday night game, U.S. Open Cup against Sacramento Republic, also on the docket coming up very quickly. The LA Galaxy have some success uh, recently, winners of three in a row against the Portland Timbers, and you would say, wow, that's really good, except Portland won three in a row before that, so this is a very much back-and-forth sort of affair between these two. Um, but yeah, that's where we sit. All right, Kevin, is, I, I was going to say we really didn't even need you because I was going to wrap everything up anyway, but uh, is there anything else you want to touch on before we get out of here? Uh, no. No. All right. Very good. If you're looking hey, for... Hey, look at that shirt. Look at that shirt. Is that a new one? This one? No. Yeah. No, I've had this for a long time. Uh, if you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, you can find him at kbaxter11. Head on over to latimes.com where you can find all of his writing. Uh, NASCAR, sports, soccer, all that fun stuff right there. latimes.com. Go subscribe. I'm a subscriber just in case anybody want to know. I'm the one in case anybody want to know. If you're looking for me... On Twitter, it's at JGESMAN, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and of course, at Galaxy Podcast. Head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com for all of our podcasts, our shows, our videos, our media availabilities, all that fun stuff right there. Like, subscribe, do all that fun stuff. We really appreciate it. All right, for Mr. Kevin, the Panda Baxter, I'm Josh Patrick Esman. You've been listening. You've been watching Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening, and we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.